We're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting there. Super hyped about it. Okay. Colonization is on our way. Interesting. Welcome to another episode of Conversations on Our Way. It's the 22nd of December, 2020, final weeks. I'm Flo. And I'm Sam. And today we have another special, special guest. His name's Aaron. Aaron, say hi. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Aaron is one of my friends. It actually is also my neighbor. Um, but another neighbor. Another neighbor. <laughs> Um, but we basically invited him on here. I thought it'd be really interesting because I find what Aaron does very, very interesting. Um, Aaron, do you want to introduce what you do? Hey, so I'm a professional poker player and coach. So I originally started playing poker professionally and then got into coaching. How long have you been doing it for? So I've started playing poker six years ago when I turned 18 or like right <laughs> before I turned 18 with some friends mm -hmm. and played it part-time throughout my university degree while getting coached by another pro. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. after I finished my degree, I decided why not go pro, play full-time and not get a grad job. Mm. What did you study? So I studied information systems. Okay. Well, what what made you wait? What did you go to the casino and play poker for your first time, or was it like a party thing? That and so it started in the school library and oh, interesting. A, a bit of poker for fun mm -hmm. with mates, and then it got to the point where oh, let's play for real money. And after school, we'd go to one of our friends' houses and start playing poker for real money and that's how i began did did um your friends realize you were really good at the um from the beginning is that why you chose to become go go pro or well i just got really interested in the game started learning more about the strat strategies behind it and also like I realized I was better than them because every time I played, I was just like winning money and I could mm -hmm. very clearly tell, oh, I'm doing certain things better than they are. Mm -hmm. And what were the certain things? So I just had a better understanding of like what to do in each situation, like how much I should be betting with a certain hand, mm -hmm. uh, like how often I should bluff or when to bluff and also how to get people to... Uh, misread you mm -hmm. yeah. interesting what what do you think is you the your key strength in poker that makes you a bit different than other people so i i would say my key strength is mindset mm -hmm. so even when i'm experiencing a losing session i'm still able to play pretty much the same as if i was winning money okay because because to me, this this is the first time I'm talking to to you, and you sound very calm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Flo like kind of told me about this, told told me this beforehand. Have it's you? It's a notable about thing about Aaron. He's very yeah. calm. Yeah. So I I regularly practiced meditation, and I'd say that is helps. an attributing factor to my level of calmness. Mm. Yeah. How how often do you meditate? So 
at the start of the year, I was doing it pretty much every day. Now that I'm a bit busier, I try to at least do 10 minutes a day. But I was doing between 30 minutes to 45 minutes a day. Do you, do you use, use an app or like So I just meditate, focus on breath, and that's kind of about it. Uh, when I first started, I used an app called Headspace mm-hmm. just to get into a habit of doing it. And then yep. I slowly kind of drifted away from using apps mm-hmm. and just did self-guided meditation. Yep. I know this is a, a bit straight, this straying away from poker, but I recently got gotten back into meditation as well. So, but I, this time I found it really much more difficult than last time I tried to. So do you have any tips? Well, what, what did you find that was different from when you started and now getting back into I it? I find it way harder to focus now because right now I'm just doing breathing technique breathing exercises and i find it really hard to focus so when you started what were you doing differently um i think i'm using different apps maybe that's why because i started headspace as well now i'm using this one called um waking up by sam harris oh yep Mm. so maybe the is the the style of the um, guided meditation i don't know but yeah so I think stylistically, there are definitely different types of meditation. Mm. So with Headspace, you have someone constantly reminding you to kind of focus back on the breath. Mm. And that helps you work through the first stage of meditation. So if you break down meditation into kind of different stages, as like uh, if you think of, of it as like a skill that you get better at, mm. then essentially meditation starts with First, developing the capacity to stay, like to even be aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And then once once you have that, then you can work on sustaining that. So first, you learn how to pay attention, right, to your breath, mm-hmm. and then the next step is how to sustain an attention. So if you really think about the object or the of what you're trying to do when you're meditating. It's, oh, I want to cultivate a stable, sustainable source of attention on an Mm -hmm. object and remain mindful of everything else that's going around, like occurring around me while I'm doing that. Mm. So there's actually like two two kind of aspects to it. There's the like focus, right? Your Mm -hmm. attention. And then there's your peripheral awareness, which is... Do you, sh- when you're in a deeper state of meditation, do you shut that second part off? So when you're in a deep state of meditation, it's kind of in- like both are interacting in an optimal way so that the peripheral things, like you, you mm-hmm. can check in on what's going on around you when you want to, but you don't have to direct your attention towards it. So let's say like you hear a dog barking in the distance, mm-hmm. right? You won't really process that as oh there's a dog barking in the, the distance you would just hear the sound and be aware of the sound mm. without projecting what that dog might look like and wondering like why it's barking and so it doesn't come thoughts. to the, the forefront of your mind it's just there yeah so your the attention is still focused on breathing and it doesn't really like dwell away from that yeah i guess like the the misconception about meditation that i not recently learned, but maybe a few months ago, I realized is that p- 
people think it's a thing you just do, but it actually takes a lot of practice to get be good at. And yeah, um, I recently watched a video about meditation, and these psychologists they took people in, took like um, athlete, Olympic level medita meditators into the uh -huh. into a scan, a brain scanner. I'm not sure what Olympic level. <laughs> meditator means by the way that's just what yeah. they said so i just believe them um mm. they said their their brain waves are significantly different from normal people yep. so they people who have um the olympic level meditators their brain brain waves are a lot of gamma brain waves and i searched this up and gamma brain waves are like brain waves that that happen when you are intensely focused and or when you're really engaged in solving a problem, and that that is their brainwaves twenty four seven, or a lot a lot of the time. So I found that really really interesting. Hmm. So I'm keen to understand what they experience on a day to day basis when they're not meditating. But I don't yeah, know why I'm would, talking. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> essentially, what happens is if you regularly meditate you get into a state where you're constantly present and aware of the things going on around you mm -hmm. rather than focusing on what's going to happen in the future or something that happened in the past. Mm. When, do, when did you start meditating? Did, does it, do you think it um, helps a lot with your poker? So I'd say I first learned about it probably three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's, can like it's created a lot more consistency in my poker. Mm. So because... without it, it would definitely mm. affect how I like react to a hand. Mm. So say I play a hand, I I lose the pot, and it's like a lot of money, right? Mm. To so to most people, they'd be like, "Shit, I lost like a lot of money just then." Mm. Let's get it back, and that might cause them to play differently. But mm. as a professional, you kind of start to detach the emotional aspects of uh, your mind mm -hmm. with the decisions that you're making at the table. Yeah. Or, or like in my case, I also play mainly online. Ah, uh, okay. How how do you um, detach yourself from the the game when there's so much money involved? So you learn about what actually like helps you make money in poker mm -hmm. you start to understand gradually okay like i can't really see this money as money anymore i have to see it as like a tool so when you're sitting down and playing money is a tool for you to make more money it's a tool to help you like it, essentially poker is like investing in that sense so rather than seeing it as like money that you're gambling with you mm -hmm. see it as a tool where you're investing in situations that you've worked out are profitable and situations sometimes where you're actually not even sure if it's profitable but you still have to make a decision because it's part of the game so over time as i got better and better i became more aware of which situations are good which situations are like bad and where i should just not invest any more money into the pot mm. so if, if you see it from that perspective then 
the game is just like, is this a good situation or is this a bad situation based on、mm. like what I know? And for each person or poker player, like the the amount of knowledge they have will affect how they see that situation.、Mm. What, what, did you want to say something, Flo? What's the highest stakes you've played? So when I played earlier this year, I was playing a ten thousand dollar buy-in. What is what exactly is a buy-in? Sorry. So it depends if you're playing cash games or tournaments.、Mm-hmm. For tournaments, a buy-in is just an entry fee to the tournament. Okay, and the and the pot is just how many people just who join. Yeah. So that like that depends on how、like、the prize pool is just how many people enter. Mm. Now with cash games, you sit down at a table, and、mm. when when you're playing, you can just sit down and play and leave whenever you want. Ah, okay. So okay. if you win win some money, you can just leave. If you play one hand, you can leave. So that's the、okay. difference between a tournament and a cash game. Okay. Okay. Hmm. So. Why did you, other than interest, of course? Why did you choose to do this well, as a profession? I I I just enjoy it.、Mm. So、and、I realize、you. it's something I enjoy, and、mm. I'm gonna get good at it because I enjoy it and spend time on it. So for me, what that ended up being is. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the process of becoming better looks like, so I found a coach, and I basically told that coach, "I'll give you half of my profits, and you just have to teach me how to be as good as you." Do you still do you still get coached, or? So I don't get coached anymore because I'm at a point where I have all the tools I need to get better.、Mm. Uh, so I know, like every day, like what I can improve on. So for me, I'm kind of on like an independent learning path、mm-hmm. rather than needing like guidance. And that、yeah. ends up happening once you get to a very high level in anything, where you're good enough or you're so good that there's not really much out there that can help you improve because you've already integrated everything that's kind of publicly. Available or privately available, even. So what do you? Th- yep, go for. Do you think that anyone who does want to take poker more seriously, up their game, or become professional, need coaching? So I would say it's a matter of like efficiency. So it's just like learning any other skill, right? If you learn piano, you、mm-hmm. usually will learn with a teacher. Some people、mm. will try to learn on their own, but even when、mm-hmm. they're learning on their own, they'll consult sources that are available, like YouTube, to learn how to play.、Mm. So, in terms of efficiency, I think that getting coaching from someone who's established and knows what they're doing is the quickest way to being a pro or being a very good player. If you're、yeah. going to go down the independent learning path and try to figure stuff out on your own in anything, you kind of eventually run into problems where you realize, oh no, there's like way too much information available on this topic, and I don't know which piece of information is good and which is bad. 
right? So for something where you're not actually particularly skilled at and you have bad judgment because you don't have any experience, it's really hard to figure out what's good strategy and what's bad strategy because uh, there's so many different people that have different things to say about a particular topic. Yeah, and it's also like um, when you have a coach there, they're paying attention to you as an individual. So like they they look at your your situation and how you react to things and then they they cater their advice to that situation. So which is yeah, exactly. more efficient as well. So yeah. like when the first thing I do when I work with my students right now is mm-hmm. I get them to send me the database of hands. So most people that I work with usually track hands and store in like a database. And I'll basically look through that database, look at all the statistics for the way that they're playing and identify where they're playing differently to what I'm doing and whether that's good or bad. And most of the time, if they're playing quite differently to me, it's probably bad. Mm. So this is kind of what I want to touch on a bit because um, what type of poker player do you think you are? Because I know there are a few different types, right? People who go by, I'm not sure. I'm not very sure. You could correct me if I'm wrong. Some people who like to go um, uh, play by the statistics or someone play play by intuition. Is, Is that right? Yeah, so I would say that intuition comes with experience. Mm-hmm. So most people who play with intuition have kind of de- developed a pattern recognition for the game based on playing for quite a long time. Uh, for me, that plays like a bit of a role, but my path to getting good was very like more analytical. Pure statistics. So there wasn't an, it was an experience aspect to it, but there was a lot of like work with computer programs that are called solvers. Mm-hmm. So in poker, in, like in chess, I'm not sure if you play any chess. Uh, in chess, you can use something called an engine to mm-hmm. calculate the best move. Mm-hmm. Uh, in poker, you can use a solver to essentially calculate the best decision, mm-hmm. the best amount to bet what to do with each hand, how often to do that with each hand. And so is that a problem in online tournaments, poker tournaments? So the solvers at the moment aren't really fast enough to instantaneously solve like any random given Uh, situation. So that would be a concern more so in the future. And there are some people who have had cases where they've tried to use software assistance while playing and they've been like banned or had some of their funds like confiscated because they were caught using assist like assistance mm-hmm. so most big poker sites heavily frown upon and uh it's against their terms of service to use these programs while playing so going into the future like these of course these solvers would be way quick way quicker yeah do you think online tournaments will be not banned but well, I, I think that over over time, online will get harder and harder. Mm-hmm. I still think that live poker, especially when it comes back post-COVID, is going to be very profitable for like, decades. Decades? What, what was that? Yeah, about? decades. What? Or de- for decades? 
Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Seeing the changes with uh, COVID and the pandemic happen, um, how has that affected, I guess, the poker industry itself? Well, first, the effects was pretty good for online. So games got busier because people can't play in person anymore and had to move to online. And that basically made all the prize pools bigger. That generated more player pools than we were used to seeing before. And yeah, for a time, poker was extremely good. But then what happened is the game started drying up because a lot of these people who aren't as experienced or aren't as good that were playing live would usually lose their money more slowly. Whereas now they can just fire tournament after tournament or cash game after cash game online since you can play through a buy-in much more quickly. So we definitely saw games drying up a bit more towards the end of the year. Now they're kind of picking up again, probably due to Christmas, end of the year, people getting their paychecks and bonuses. Yeah, it's interesting how seasonal poker is because a lot of the time, if you're playing during like the middle to end of the year, there's kind of a dry spell and you're mainly playing against stronger opponents and there's less weaker opponents coming by. So COVID definitely made that quite different. Like it made it brought in a big influx of people who from live who were definitely not as well studied and less and, technical in the game. Okay. And do so the the sites that you play with are they just for Australia and New Zealand or is this the global? So the way Australia poker works is that it's actually not legal for sites to operate in Australia. Why not? So if you're a poker site operator, you're not allowed to run games online in Australia. And there's not even a way to apply for a license for it. And that got introduced, I think, five years ago or four years ago. And basically they had a law that banned in-play betting uh, in sports and that ban also affected poker because poker is kind of like a real-time betting game so mm. that change affected how everything works and now to play poker online you either play through some of these like private clubs that are running around where it's just you know player like player to player funds being transferred managed by an agent and then settled as one player wins against another player or you end up playing on a site via a VPN or using Bitcoin to play on sites as well. Do you want to play internationally? <laughs> so I don't actually mind the current situation. Like There are some games that I'd like to play against more well-known players due to like a larger player pool like that would be fun but i don't uh -huh. really see it as being like super necessary to go and play like internationally mm. what's your, like, what's your yeah. goal with this with poker hmm. so well it just started off basically for fun mm -hmm. and it ended up being all right now i can make a career out of it and so now having kind of done that 
well, I'm still in the process of playing poker more and I enjoy it and I want to get better at it as a skill. But I ended up going more down the coaching route because I see poker as very much a zero-sum game where if you win, someone else loses. And the like the nature of that is just that it's not really sustainable like long-term as a career. So for me, I'm looking to kind of take the skills that I've learned from poker and apply it to other fields. What other um, fields have you found? How's your... Yeah, right now I've... So I spent some time doing sports betting, which is like another form of gambling. <laughs> but sports betting, you can apply the same skill set from being good at poker in terms of risk management and thinking in terms of expected value rather mm. than in terms of like just betting on a team because you like it, uh, but seeing it from a numbers point of view and making money long-term doing that. I can also see how I can apply it to areas of business like just in general, because I'm my skill set is I can very quickly see what someone's doing right or wrong with a business. So I'm not necessarily like a creative person that can come up with like completely new ideas. But if you already have an existing idea, I'm pretty good at improving that idea. So how's your chess game? <laughs> <laughs> so after watching Queen's Gambit, as, such a good uh, show such a good show yeah m most people i've talked to have ended up watching it and a lot of people don't even play chess so yeah it's definitely sparked a chess boom as well chess i play more recreationally and i'm not really trying to like get like great at it because there's not really any like monetary incentive to do it and it's a bit of a time sink relative to other things I can be doing. So I'm like for me, I'm, I know I'm not going to be a chess grandmaster and to actually make a career out of chess, you have to be that good, which mm. takes like decades. Yeah, chess is fun, but <laughs> more of a hobby. So when, when do, how about poker? When do you think someone can make money out of poker? So I think if someone gets poker coaching and the right guy with the right like coach and with the right guidance and has the mindset to deal with the uncertainty and risk that they're t taking on like then anyone can be a pro within a year or two so cool. anyone can be making like an average salary within that time frame what's an average salary so, uh, I don't know, like a grad job salary, let's say like 50 to 60K. So, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. oh, yeah, not to mention poker is like not taxed in Australia. So, <laughs> yeah. that is true. That is true. Interesting. And so, then, okay, so obviously you can see that there's an understanding of um, quite keen interest in the strategy sides of both like games like chess and poker what other strategy games do you really enjoy well when i started playing games like that was at a pretty young age i'd say i've been playing games for most of my life mm -hmm. starting with i can't even remember it must have been like diablo 
Damn. or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and then got into like RuneScape, uh, World of Warcraft, <laughs> uh, and then mm-hmm. first-person shooters. So I've all, I've played games throughout a, a lot throughout my childhood, and I can definitely say that the strategic element of playing a game is like what I'm good at and like why I can translate that into poker. So yeah, games, I've always just been good at games. Even when I start, like when I started out, I wasn't good at games, but I knew that if I just spent time working on and breaking down the skill set to be good at a game, I could figure out what I needed to improve on and tailor my hours towards that. Yeah, it's just like, I think it's with any skill, there's like a process to getting good at it. And oh, I can see that. I, I think, think if you understand that, it. Yeah, I think that I'm quite good at understanding a skill and breaking it down into the most relevant components and then basically learning those efficiently. Mm. And that's why I get good at things like relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. So one skill that I started picking up this year was basketball. Mm. And that was just born out of <laughs> betting on NBA, uh, watching basketball <laughs> games a lot and just being like, damn, I want to like play basketball and get kind of good at it. How's that going? So I'm, I'm at a point where I can play with people who've played much longer than me and hold my own. So the other week I I went and played with a bunch of people who were, who've probably been playing (laughs) since like, like early, like in their childhood. And I guess part of it is just like athleticism, but another part of it is just understanding like the mechanics and like how to improve those mechanics. For example, like your shooting. Right, there are specific things that you can do or work on in your game that will give you an advantage against other people. Mm. That's true. That's true. What happened Whereas, to tennis? <laughs> oh yeah, why want? Why haven't we been playing any tennis? <laughs> You've been like I've way been, too busy. I've been way too busy. But yeah, earlier in the year when um, COVID started lifting off, we started playing tennis. It was quite fun. And then I discovered badminton, and badminton was a lot easier and faster. <laughs> I have yet to play badminton. Oh, then we need, we need to play badminton. Oh, we can play table tennis too, yeah. Table oh, tennis yeah. is good. Mm, fair enough, too. Yeah, I think the appeal for me with basketball is just because of like watching the sport and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And also you can go and play basketball and shoot hoops on your own like you don't That's need someone, you don't need to play with someone else although true. Uh, my friend who lives pretty close by Anthony is pretty big on basketball as well so I spent quite a lot of time playing with him and he's been playing like I'd say he's one of the reasons that I'm quite where I, I am right now in terms of basketball I'm not like by any means like NBA level player or anything I'm just like a person who, where if you go and play basketball in some like random like street game, I would do all right. Mm. Even though I've only been playing for what, like six months. So basically, you're telling me that the next time you you play basketball, I should bet on you. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, you should <laughs> not. You should bet on Anthony. So my yeah. friend Anthony's been playing for, like, he he could have been uh, probably an NBA player if he was like taller, taller, <laughs> <laughs> like a couple inches taller. Yeah, and he could have been in the NBA. Is it that good? Yeah. So yeah, he used to play for like his high school and then played competitively with within his university. So, yeah, That's... he's pretty good. Like, he, he taught me a lot of what I know, and, like, playing with him, I can see how he thinks about the game is just, like, way way more complex, like, way more next level than a lot of the other people that I've watched play. Okay. Cause... But, yeah, he also got into poker, and then he kind of, like, stopped playing basketball because of poker. Mm. Yeah, Anthony's also That's... quite good at chess. I actually I had so here's another fun fun fact. So I had a bet with him for him to lose ten kilos over two months, <laughs> and the How's bet date is uh in three days, and I think he's actually already made the cut. <gasps> really, so, congratulations! Yeah. So he went from ninety two and half kilos, and he has to be eighty two point. Five or eighty-two point six. Oh my goodness, that's fantastic! Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So, so is he going to claim his prize? Well, yeah, we had. Uh, so I bet five hundred. I bet one k to his five hundred that <laughs> he wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> but for me, I'm not too concerned about losing the one k. I was just like, All right, cool. Like, if you do it, like, good for you. Like, this is like a good change for you. Like, I don't mind losing a 1,000 over it. Did he lose more weight at the beginning or closer to the end? Oh, I'd say it was actually pretty gradual. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Was it exercise or diet? Or both? Both, both. both. Mm. That's actually something I really admire. Like, other than the weight loss thing, it's like you finding something you really like and you just trust yourself to just do it for a living. Well, did, was there any, at any point any doubt in yourself to do this as a career? Because you, yeah, you many, have many to be... Mm. So for when I first started, I had a four-month stretch where I just constantly lost like almost every day. And I definitely would have given up unless I had a coach and like clear guidance because I would would have just been like damn I'm actually like shit at the game but that from like working with my coach he was basically like okay you're like you're bad but like you're playing better than everyone else that you're playing with like you should be winning <laughs> and that kind of helps me and inspired me to you know just keep playing knowing that one day I might get to the point where I'm just as good as my coach obviously that's a pretty high bar because he's like one of the best players in the world and now he's like running a training site with like thousands of people like yeah it's like he's just a really good player and what what made it click for you i'm i'm just glad that like i i had his guidance and i realized oh like okay, these are the things that I'm supposed to do every day. Like, this is the process that I can follow to get good. So, 
like working with software tools, uh, reviewing hands, um, just you know breaking down my thought processes, posting hands and sending hands to him for feedback. So for me, that was just this very clear like it wasn't like anything that immediately clicked. It was just like gradually I learned more and more about how the game worked and like why I should be making the decisions that I make as opposed to like another decision. And I just got really good by the end of it at making like decisions, particularly like under pressure. Yeah. I think the key thing there is definitely that keeping calm under the pressure and not psyching yourself out as well. Like the more and more um, the early days of finding out what poker is and things like that, I just recognize it's purely a psychological game almost like yeah that's a bit of luck and you know how you play your cards and things like that but it's definitely a psychological game yeah because I'd say, I'd say the strategy like if you could just play like a robot you'd be like a perfect like player but the the thing with human beings is we're not robots we behave irrationally and emotionally and when you're playing with other people, you can actually take advantage of like how they're behaving uh, because you can see inconsistencies in the way that they're acting because th- they're not acting rationally every time. They're oftentimes, we're re- acting out of greed or fear, and that causes us to make decisions that aren't mathematically correct. Do you, do you think, because um, we talked about a bit about meditation just now and you only started poker about, what, six years ago, was it? Yeah. Um, were you always this t- this person before? Like, you you, see, you sound very calm, very centered. Oh, so so when, I, when I first started, I, like, I can remember times as a kid where I'd always, like, rage or be act really? like, pretty emotionally about something and my parents would be like, stop fucking doing that. And, like, you, uh, like, as a kid, you realize, like, okay, first of all, like, just because you want something, like, for example, I'd be the kid where, like, I walk past, like, a toy shop and I just want every fucking toy mm-hmm. because it was in sight, right? So I, I realized that, um, yeah, like, I, I just had a lot of desires and I behaved very emotionally as a kid. And even growing up, like getting into poker, one of the things that I had to overcome was uh, acting out of emotion, act, like getting angry or up, like frustrated about a spot and then starting to play differently mm-hmm. because emotionally I wasn't particularly in the right place. So yeah, definitely the journey to me being good at poker has been riddled with all that kind of stuff. It's, a thing where you have to just work on that like every day. It's not like instantly you go from like being like a, you just start off being like a calm, cool headed person that performs under pressure. Well, it's more like you get frustrated, you lose a bunch of money because you made a bad emotional decision and that keeps happening. And then you realize, oh shit, if I don't like manage to deal with this, I could have a gambling problem and like, lose a lot of money doing that mm. and not make a career out of it. Yeah. That's that's really interesting because um I like I always had this um impression of people who are really good at what they do um 
having a bit of luck, of course, um, and being born to kind kind of being born to do that. So they're being born with like a particular skill set that just fit that role very well, and they just happen to stumble stumble onto what they do, mm-hmm. and just happen to be good. But yep. recently, I've found like talking to you and other like reading other things, watching other things that made me realize that might not be the case because a good example is um i've been watching after i watched queen's gambia i started playing a lot of chess as well right i'm part of that boom <laughs> that we talked about <laughs> um and i started watching this guy called um hikaru yeah yeah hikaru something i can't remember his last name but he's one of the best players chess players in the world and he, on his one of his live streams he said his iq is only 102 which is very average and was so surprising to me because I thought chess players always like you kind of have, kind of have to have um, a high IQ, right? Right. I, I don't know. That's kind of. I don't know why that. <laughs> well, I had that it would impression. probably like help to have a high IQ in terms yeah. of like learning things, but mm-hmm. I I think what most people don't realize is like talent mm-hmm. or inherent like gifts that you have don't really go very far unless mm. you also are willing to put in the time. So I would say for a lot of people that, yeah, like some sometimes you find someone and they're kind of naturally gifted at something and then they kind of fall into that career path. Uh, but the a lot of the people who are like kind of the top in the world at what they're doing, aside from like, let's say, even with athletes, like, you don't become the best in the world at something because you're like naturally good at it. Mm. You become the best because you're good enough at it, but then to realize that you could be the best, but then you also are willing to make the sacrifices and put in the time and do do that. Do you think do you think um you have you have talent for poker? I would say like I'm one of the least talented poker players. Really? Okay. Like even so like when even though when I started I was like winning against my friends and everything. Um that's because I studied strategy. I literally searched how to get good at poker on you know like went through like Google read like every single like book that I found my hands on with poker like mm. that I could freely download off the internet. And was like, damn, there's like so much stuff to all of this. Like, so I just became kind of obsessed with the game. And due to that kind of obsession, I was able to get good from just spending like a sheer, like ridiculous amount of hours on the game. This, this, uh, this might be a, a left field question, but what do you think of passion? So I, I think that passion is something that. For for some people, it just it comes to them, but mm. for other people, it's something that you actually build, mm. right? So think... there's for for my passion with poker, mm. there were definitely points where if I was just like only passionate about it, I would have like definitely quit the game <laughs> because there were a lot of like rough stretches where. I had to be kind of realistic about the situation and yep. like, yeah, like e- even like the past year or two, I've had the situations as well where it's just like you play poker, you 
don't you don't get lucky and you're like shit like this game is like is this game really just like luck and gambling or or is that skill like sometimes you're like it becomes hard to distinguish the two because you can go out for like pretty long stretches like you know hundreds and thousands of hands potentially where you're losing money but like you're supposed to be winning and psychologically that can like mess with you but i guess so, so because some, sometimes you... passion comes sometimes passion goes but i think the other thing is like having a clear like purpose or goal in mind of like what you want your life to look like did for this kind of thing did you ever feel like you needed to find motivation or were you just naturally motivated because you enjoyed the game so much as well well like i there were definitely points where i enjoyed the game a lot but then there were also points where i'm like damn like this game sucks like i just keep <laughs> losing and i don't really want to play it but uh, yeah on the other hand like yeah sometimes i really enjoyed the game sometimes i really didn't when i started out i was like why why am i playing this game i should just go and play like league of legends or something because I can't lose money in League of Legends and I can just rage at people all, all I want and it won't really matter. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so did you feel like you had to find motivation to continue? So I think the motivation came from uh, just realizing that there was a lot of potential that I could make out of this game as opposed to like the alternative and the alternative for me would have been uh, getting a grad job, working full time uh, as a grad somewhere in information mm-hmm. systems. And that just didn't really seem very appealing to me because I would basically be trading my time for money and in uh, not under like my own terms. So mm. for me, like I'm kind of like in, in a sense, when you play poker, you are trading time for money, uh, but you, mm-hmm. there's no actual guarantee that you'll make money when you trade your time away. Uh, so at least for me, it's like, okay, I can actually find enjoyment in this game quite a bit and I can make money from this game as long as I am able to learn how to deal with the downside of it, which is that you can lose, which is that uh, you, the results that you have are completely not within your control. So basically just being able to surrender like short-term control over like whether I was mm. making money day by day, but realizing that if I stuck to it long-term that something would come out of it Mm. and even if like nothing came out of it okay at least like i tried and um yeah i just saw it as a great opportunity especially you know having my coach work with me and i took advantage of that opportunity to end up in a bit of a different life to what most people would end up doing so most Mm. people will end up getting a grad job working full-time nine to five uh, some for some people longer hours than that. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair enough. What, oh, okay. Because you said your coach is um, like one of the best players in the world, right? Yeah. Um, how did you get him to be a, your coach? Is because I would assume it's very limited. Like oh, so I, I was fortunate to get my like to just for some reason find out that he was one doing like a coaching program and two that i didn't have to immediately pay him thousands so Mm -hmm. he was willing to do a coaching for profits program with me and i applied for that and ended up getting in and just going 
going that way. So I, that I did half process, my profits or... away for like the first like a year or so. Uh, there wasn't an interview process per se. You kind of just had to fill out like a bunch of documents, um, like like a fo- I mean forms and send them across, and you would kind of get accepted or not accepted. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And then that's kind of how I started. Yeah. The other thing, I guess, is just like, yes, he was like willing to coach people in that way. But I I saw a lot of other people that took up the same kind of offer and didn't really make much use of it and kind of neglected the value that they were being given. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess it's I probably about... had a... Yeah, sorry, Chloe? No, I guess it's all about the effort that you also put in. It's a two-way street. Yeah. I mean, I see that with my current students as well, where some of them end up be- becoming very good players like quite quickly, and others kind of fall by the wayside because they start to lose motivation about something when things just stop working out as planned. Because like, with poker... You can expect to win money, but you're not going to win money every time you play. And you can go on long stretches where you're losing, you're making the best decision every time, and it doesn't work. Or even, or maybe you even end up making bad decisions, and then they do work. So if anyone wants to get coaching from you, how can they find you? <laughs> so they can find me, Neuron Poker, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And just send me a DM. It's the easiest mm-hmm. way to do that. You heard it from him. Slide into his DMs, guys. <laughs> you want to up your poker game. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And then, so are you are you taking on students at the moment? So I have an application process for my coaching for profits, which mm-hmm. you can find on my Instagram bio. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. if you go there, you can apply. Um, oh. Yeah, I'm currently okay. looking to partner up with a friend. Mm-hmm. As well. So we're going to be taking on a yeah a bigger group of students. Fantastic. Because for me, I wanted to create like a similar thing to what I had when I started. Mm-hmm. Soon you'll be having your own academy going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm kind of already in in that stage where just looking to expand further because. I guess I have a larger capacity to take on more people now that I've established a clearer path and process mm. for things. So, well, okay. that's so good. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we're nearing t- an hour, so I might just uh, ask a last, last question. Yeah. Would you... Because... I played a bit of poker, but just for just for fun, and I did watch a few videos on it. Would you? What would you do when you get a seven-two offsuit? Would you ever play that hand? Um, in almost ninety-nine percent of situations, I would just fold. But there is like a few situations where it's worth playing. When so, when where is when is it worth playing seven-two offsuit? Well, uh, let's say there is a. You're in a tournament. You have a lot of chips. The the people behind you have very little chips, and whoever busts nicks will not make any money. But uh, so essentially, you're on a bubble, right? So if you you're the next person to bust out, uh, you make nothing. But if you're the person after 
the next person you you're guaranteed a cash right and that cash is the same as every other place like every other place so that's called a satellite tournament so Uh in those kind of situations usually you're playing for like a ticket to a bigger tournament and everyone get everyone who cashes like wins a ticket Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So when you have seven two in that spot, and the people behind you are trying to play to hit the ticket, and you have like infinite amount of chips, right? You just go all in with like any two cards, and they can't do anything but call you when they have like aces. And mm. sometimes, like based on the stack size, they actually should just fold aces just because they're guaranteed to make the money. Mm. Yeah, okay. It's a pretty extreme scenario. <laughs> Have you ever seen that happen? Yeah, I've been in a spot where I've had to fold aces because I was guaranteed to make a cash. Fair enough. Then. Wow. <laughs> What's the best hand you've ever had? That's my last question. <laughs> um, I've, I've had probably like eight royal flushes now. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Have you had Ooh. one of those um, crazy moments where you're banking on the last? Um, what is it? The river? No. What's the yeah, last card called? The river. The river yeah. being an exact card, and it just happened. I, I've had I've had the reverse happen to me where oh, yeah. I I don't want them to have that card, <laughs> and they hit it, and it's like actually that happens pretty pretty, pretty like, frequently when you play a lot of poker. Like, but I've had a scenario where I need to exact cards to like win and i've hit that so <laughs> yeah it's pretty crazy do you think like, you're a lucky you person runner runner i i don't i would i'm definitely not a lucky person hmm. okay interesting yeah interesting to hear that from a poker player <laughs> all right <laughs> i, I think anyone? most poker players will tell you that they're not lucky mm. yeah Oh, pure skill. <laughs> pure skill strategy. They just, they just want to build on their egos instead. <laughs> In exactly. reality, they might be really lucky. <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to only take them so far, though. Yeah, definitely. Comparing to all of the others. <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to our podcast and have a chat with us. Anyone listening who wants to up their poker game, slide into his DMs. It's uh, at Neuron Poker on Instagram. Feel free to drop him a DM. <laughs> and Link in the description his... below. <laughs> <laughs> like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> oh, anyway, but that's all for tonight. Uh, so thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us today. We hope you had a good time having a chat with us. Yeah, that, that was good. Hope to play some chess with you, Sam. Oh, yeah, I'm not good. I'm not good. My, yeah, I'm not. Even, I'm not. Um, I'm too embarrassed to say my rating. <laughs> but, That's yeah. a rating. Flow as well. Flow as well. We'll play. Yeah. I, I will play, but I just need to like. I need to sit down and relearn all my basic strategies, guys. <laughs> Give me some time. All right. You know what, Aaron? We might even just do this tomorrow. Like, all right, let's let's. Let's go through some basic strategy tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Have a good night, everyone. And we'll see you on the next one. For the last episode of the year. Oh, yeah. For the last episode of the year. Yeah. Stay tuned for that one. We're going to do a full recap. Have a good night.